are pro-children around here, amen? And uh, boy, bringing that baby to church the first Sunday of its life, what a blessing that is. Uh, we're grateful to have you here. Thank you for, for making the time to come be with us today. So turn, uh, as we talk about Thanksgiving and being thankful, the question that I have for you today is, are you a thankful person? Now, when you hear this question, sometimes we automatically refer to our life situation. Now, this Thanksgiving, you may be without employment. You may be uh, may have a sickness in you or your family. You might be facing a trial of some kind. And when we're going through difficult times, it's a lot harder for us to have a thankful spirit. But did you know that being grateful uh, actually has a lot to do with your uh, increase of happiness in your life? Dr. Robert Emons wrote a book on how practicing gratitude can make you happier. In his book, he outlines a strategy for cultivating thankfulness. He says this, and I quote, We have discovered that a person who experiences gratitude is able to cope more effectively with everyday stress. He has increased resilience in the face of trauma and may recover more quickly from illness. Hey, gratitude is one of those things that can make a big difference in your life physically and spiritually. Now, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. Now, we automatically, when we hear that, uh, the human side of us automatically goes to exceptions. You mean I'm supposed to give thanks in, finish the sentence? And the answer is yes, we are to give thanks in everything. Why is Thanksgiving always right and appropriate for us? The Bible gives us a great perspective if we care to look at what the Bible has to say, and we realize that one of the things the Bible makes clear is that God always treats us better than we deserve. Now, that's hard for us to see sometimes, but He really does. We don't deserve anything because of the sin in our life, but God treats us better. When we come to expect things and when we start to think that we deserve blessings and good things to happen in our life, that's when sometimes uh, we can become an ungrateful people. I'd like for you to imagine along with me today, you're at home at your, your house on Saturday, it's one of those slow days, you hear a knock at the door, you go to your house, uh, the door, you open it up, and there's a stranger there you've never seen before, he hands you, doesn't say a word, but he hands you a white envelope and he turns around and walks off. You step inside, you open up the envelope, and you find inside a crisp new $100 bill. The next Saturday, the same thing happens. You're not uh, even, you maybe even forgot about it, but again, there's a knock at the door. Same stranger standing there, hands you a white envelope, not a word, turns around, heads back down the driveway, and uh, you open it up, there's another $100 bill. For six months, this goes on every Saturday. And one day, when you're doing what you would do, watching out the window for him to show up on Saturday, uh, he shows up. Uh, only he doesn't come to your house, he goes to your neighbor's house. And you watch, and suddenly he knocks on their door, and they open the door, and he gives them a white envelope, and then he leaves. What is your automatic human response? Why is he giving them my money? Isn't that right? Isn't it amazing how sometimes we start to expect blessings? You'll become grateful if you stop uh, thinking that you deserve and expect the blessings in your life. Turn your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Daniel chapter 6. This is where we're going to take our passage from today. Rudyard Kipling was a writer and a poet who made a great deal of money at what he did. 
Uh, one time a reporter was uh, talking to him and he said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated all your writing and the income that you make and they have come up to the conclusion that you make a hundred dollars per word that you publish. He said, Mr. Kipling said, I was, wasn't aware of that. That's interesting. The reporter kind of cynically reached down and took out his wallet, took out a hundred dollar bill. He handed it over to Mr. Kipling and says, Hey, Mr. Kipling, give me one of your hundred dollar words. Mr. Kipling took the one hundred dollar bill, folded it up, put it in his pocket, and he said, Thanks. And he was right. Thanks is a hundred dollar word. It's a word that is not, uh, it's too seldom used. It's too rarely heard and it's too often forgotten. Listen, if we all adopted an attitude of gratitude, not only at this time of the year, but all year, it would improve our life greatly. This week, we celebrate one of my favorite holidays. I love Thanksgiving. I try to get all of my vegetables on Thanksgiving, carrot cake, zucchini bread, uh, pumpkin pie, amen, and then drink gravy to wash it all down. I love Thanksgiving dinner. This is the week that we all set our scales back, 10 pounds. You set your clock back a few weeks ago, set your scales back this week. I love to eat, and we do that. I love to spend time with family, and we do that too. People enjoy Thanksgiving uh, for different reasons. I saw one Facebook post. I shot my first turkey today. Scared the daylights out of everyone in the frozen food section. Uh, we enjoy Thanksgiving for different reasons. But the best thing about Thanksgiving is, is it a time that reminds us to be grateful. We ought to be a grateful people. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 2, uh, 22, 50, Therefore, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen I will sing praises unto thy name. For uh, Chronicles 16, 34, O give thanks unto the Lord, uh, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Uh, Colossians 3, 15, And allow the peace of God to rule in your hearts and be ye thankful. We ought to be a thankful people, especially as God's people. I thought it'd be appropriate this morning to give the history behind Thanksgiving. Uh, the proclamation was made by Governor Bradford in 1623, three years after the pilgrims arrived here in America. And he wrote this, and I quote, to all ye pilgrims, Insomuch as the great Father hath given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forests abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and insomuch as he has protected us from the raids of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience." Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and ye little ones do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th in the year of our Lord, 1623, there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all his blessings. I think it's important for us as Christians to realize and remember the heritage that we have. What a great thing was began so many years ago. Now, this is not what they teach in the world. This is not what they'll teach even in many of our public schools. Uh, one humanist said this, There are so few secular holidays. Let us be thankful for Thanksgiving. 
While most people might say they are thanking God, the holidays sprang from thanks for the harvest, regardless of who you credit for that, uh, farmers or meteorologists. I'm sure that's who the pilgrims were thanking, meteorologists. Thanksgiving, he goes on, is more of a national observance than a religious one. We can be thankful without designating it to God by directing our gratitude towards friends, family, nature, science, life, and the universe. He concludes, so enjoy the holiday in an unholy way. I choose to enjoy it in a holy way by being thankful to God for the blessings he's given us. This Thursday is Thanksgiving. It's a day that we set aside in our busy schedules to give thanks to God. There's nothing wrong uh, with all that, uh, but the Word of God tells us that thankfulness ought to be a continual attitude in our hearts and lives, not just one day a year, but all year long. If you've got your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 6, we're going to start reading at verse number 1. The Bible says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto the king, King Darius, live forever. And then in the next few verses, it talks about them establishing a degree that nobody can pray to anybody but the king. Now, verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, he did that despite the fact that in verse 7, they said, O king, if anyone does this, O king, he shall be cast into a den of lions. Can you believe? Watch cell phones. I, we just saw something on the on the top screen, didn't we, about cell phones? And so um, I, I get very upset when I hear a cell phone go off in the service, but today we'll have grace and just try to understand... <laughs> Uh, when those things happen. I want to preach to you for a few moments on thankfulness in difficulty. Thankfulness in difficulty. Father, we thank you for this day. I pray that you'd help us as we uh, open this passage up and unpack it, talk about what uh, your servant Daniel did that can be a blessing to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most familiar stories in the Bible is found right here the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was one of the young men kidnapped and taken to Babylon. Uh, things worked out for him there, though. Uh, he had been promoted throughout his whole life, and here he was in a high position. The king loved him and was going to put him over the whole kingdom. But when righteousness is exalted, the wicked start a riot, and that's exactly what they did here. Now, it looked to be a very bad time for anyone who honored God. Now, how Darius knew Daniel, we don't know for sure, but uh, I'm sure the writing on the wall that was talked about in the previous chapter would be very much talked about, would be well known, and Daniel, his ability would be known. And so Daniel rose in power in this new administration. 
Uh, Darius was extremely impressed by Daniel. In the very beginning, though, all the way back when Daniel was just a young child taken away from home, he had set this precedence in his life that he was going to honor God. Uh, He had set a precedence of excellence all the way back in Daniel chapter 1. He rejected the king's meat. And he rejected the king's, uh, all the wine and meat in the beginning. Remember when he, when the boys first came, they tried to uh, fatten him up and he rejected that for pulse. You thought you were uh, trying something new when you went on a low carb diet. No, Daniel did it way back in Daniel chapter one. Uh, he stuck with pulse. And in the end, the Bible says in chapter one, verse 20, that the, that God's men here, these young men that were honoring God were 10 times better than everyone else. Boy, can I tell you, God's way is always 10 times better than anything the world can offer. Now here Daniel is, decades later. He's 80 years old, roughly. His principles that he started with at a young age have served him well. The Bible says there was an excellent spirit in him. Daniel was different than those around him. The people around him were devious. They were deceive uh, deceivers and trying to uh, deceive the king. They were divisive. Daniel was a man of purpose, he was a man of prayer, and he was a man of power. He was different. He was different because he had God all over him, and he allowed uh, the Lord to live out through him. But again, as I said earlier, where God is honored, the world is not a fan. Daniel was surrounded by jealous, power-hungry men that wanted to take him down, and so they started to watch him, as we read in our passage. They observed him. They hired a private detective. Follow Daniel around, get some pictures, find something that he isn't proud of, and will expose him. Well, they did that. Only problem was Daniel didn't do anything, nothing that they could pin on him. Let me ask you, friend, what if somebody hired a private investigator to follow you around for a week and to see what you watch, to see where you go, and to see what you do? Would it come up clean? I hope so. It did for Daniel. They couldn't find anything on him. But they did find one thing, that he was a a zealous prayer warrior. And so they made that illegal. Now, Daniel, knowing he was a target, he was no fool. He knew what they were doing, verse number 10, knew what they were up to. What will he do? I ask again, what would you do in Daniel's situation? I can imagine there would be some questioning, maybe some complaining. I was unfairly taken from my homeland. I was taken from my family. Everything I knew was taken from me. I have nothing here but still, Lord, I was faithful to you all this way from home, and now this? But Daniel is a great example for us uh, in this passage. He was a true hero of the faith. Understand something. Daniel's world has been upended. His very life is in danger. He goes into his house, the Bible says, verse 10. Uh, he, the windows are open. The guys are outside in the trees with binoculars and zoom-in cameras watching for Daniel to do what he's about to do. Daniel gets upon his knees and he begins to pray. He will not allow anybody to take that from him. And we know this. This is one reason why we love this story. We heard it as a child. Hey, they said you can't pray. Daniel prayed anyway. Uh, He was thrown in the den of lions where they decided to have an intermittent fast, even though they were hungry. Uh, We all know that story, and we love it so much. And one of the reasons is because Daniel determined he was going to do right. We're in awe of the fact that he is faithful in difficulty. And by the way, we need men that will stand for right in a wicked culture. Amen? When it comes to salvation, uh, we 
are usually uh, very black and white. We understand there's nothing that I can do to earn salvation. There's nothing that religion can do for you. I can't become a member of a church or get baptized or all those things will not take me to heaven. We know the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. Uh, the gift of God is eternal life. Death is something we earn. Heaven is a gift because we can't earn it. So we're very black and white about salvation. But when it comes to culture, we become Mr. General Statement. And we don't take a stand. We need some people to stand when everyone else is kneeling. And Daniel was such a man. But as wonderful as Daniel's stand is, that's not my focus on him today. I would like to key in on one little line in this passage. Look with me at verse 10. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. So far, so good. I get it. If I was in that situation, I'd be praying too. I may be in the closet, but I'd be praying. I'd be praying for God to put a hedge around my enemies, uh, protect me from those around me. Lord, confuse my enemies. Don't let this happen to me. But look at what the Bible says. As he goes on, he prayed, uh, kneeled on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks. Now, what is that? I understand we give thanks when we have a good harvest. I understand that we, when we get a raise or a promotion at work, we give thanks. I understand that uh, when the weather is beautiful and all is well, we give thanks. But here is Daniel. He's got a death sentence hanging over his head. If he does what he's doing right now, and he gives thanks. All of his co-workers are against him. He has no friends. His life is falling apart. The king respects him but can do nothing about his own decree. He's about to be lion fodder. What is there possibly to be thankful for? Yet here he's praying and he's giving thanks. I have a question for you this morning that I'd like for you to consider. What do we require before we give thanks to God? What do you require before you give thanks to the Lord. Do we need something good to happen? Do we need something pleasant uh, before we give thanks to the Lord? Now, there's an interesting phrase found several times in the Old Testament. Uh, it's called the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's first found in Leviticus chapter 7. Uh, the sacrifice of thanksgiving was actually a peace offering that was motivated by a heart of love. Like all peace offerings, it was a voluntary offering. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 talks about something similar. There it talks about the sacrifice of praise. Now, I know it has historical connotations. But let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like your praise was a sacrifice? I'm talking about when you don't feel like praising God. I'm talking about being thankful when you feel like complaining, being or praising God when you feel like weeping, anything but praising. A sacrifice of praise. It's a spirit of praise when we praise God for eternal things rather than temporal things. Listen, I know you may have more month than money, but you know what happens? You can have treasures in heaven that can never be touched. Thieves and rust can't take it away. I know, friend, that you may be sick, but your name, if you're saved, is written in heaven, and there's nothing anybody can do to take that away from you. I'm simply saying it's easy to praise God when everything's going good. Sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise to praise Him when life falls apart. Praising God in hard times is not natural. But can I tell you something? The Christian wasn't called to live natural. He was called to live supernatural. 
He was called to live in the Spirit, and the Spirit of God uh, as an outlet should live through us. It was praise when Job had his family over and they all sat around the table and they rejoiced together and had uh, a meal together. It was a sacrifice of praise when Job stood in front of ten graves after they were all gone and he was still able to say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. It was praise when Isaac was born. After such a long wait, the Bible records for us that they laughed when he was born. He was actually called laughter. It was a blessing at an old age when they finally had the long promised son. It was the sacrifice of praise. When Abraham is leading him up the mountain, he's about to put him on an altar and kill and slay his own son and sacrifice him to his father. And where's the lamb, dad? Uh, Isaac asked and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. It was praise when Daniel was honored and he was lifted up and he was high uh, in, in high position. But it was a sacrifice of praise with a death penalty over his head when he kneeled down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks to the Lord for the good things in his life. I'm simply telling you today, friends, sometimes we don't feel like praising. Sometimes we don't feel like saying thank you. We still need to be thankful. Be thankful in victory but be thankful regardless of defeat. Be thankful in health, but be thankful regardless of sickness. Be thankful in success, but be thankful regardless of poverty. Be thankful in friendship, but be thankful regardless of loneliness. Be thankful on the mountaintop, but be thankful regardless of the valley. What am I saying today? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. But why? Why is it good to give thanks? There's four reasons I'd like to look at very quickly. If we focus on heavenward, inward, backward, and forward, we're going to understand why it's good for us to give thanks. Heavenward. It's an attitude of gratitude when we recognize God's unchanging power. Our financial security, our family situation, our personal health, all these things may change, but we serve a God, friend, that will never change. I am the Lord. I change not. Hey, it's a wonderful thing to serve an unchanging God, isn't it? We understand that while life may seem cruel, God is good all the time. And also when we look inward, it's good to give thanks to the Lord because it changes us. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Oh, listen, friend, you want to help your attitude, your general spirit throughout the day, foster a sense of gratitude. Gratitude promotes peace in the midst of the storm. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. We're able to count blessings uh, rather than to complain about our burdens. Worship can replace worry when we give thanks. You worry much? Uh, you know, worry is one of those things that keeps you occupied, but it gets you nowhere. I mentioned the other night, worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. It keeps you busy. You ain't going anywhere, but it keeps you busy. Worship can replace worry when we are thankful. Psalm 102, 107, verse 22, And let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. We sacrifice our self-trust. We sacrifice our human reasoning. We sacrifice our personal expectations when we come to God right in the middle of a difficulty and a trial. And we say, hey, God, don't understand all that's going on, but thank you for being good. Thank you for being my Savior. Thank you anyhow, even though 
Life is difficult. He helps us inward. Also backward, we give thanks to the Lord when we look back at His work in our life. You know, Christians can be very forgetful. (laughs) Isn't that something? How quickly we can forget the good things. In Psalm chapter 107, it's interesting if you read that chapter five times, it has the same verse. Verse 1, verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. They all had the exact same verse. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why does he tell us five times? Because we forget. We're forgetful like that. We should be grateful. What has God done for you in your life? Look backward. Think about it. Let me ask you this question. What good things are in your life right now that you did not understand they come from something that you were devastated at the time, but now you see that God has turned him around for good. Isn't it something how we don't learn? We just don't learn. Israelites heading out of Egypt. Three days into the trip, they come to the, or not three days, several days into the trip, they come into the Red Sea. But after God split the Red Sea, got him across quiet, uh, on dry land, and after the sea came together and took out Pharaoh's army, three days after that, they're complaining because they have no water. You think water's a problem for a God who can split a sea? But we forget. We forget. His past works will change the way you look at your present and your future. And then looking forward. Looking forward, we learn that things in this life cannot be trusted. Politicians, the stock market, politicians, other people, the media, politicians, ourselves we can't be trusted we really can't trust anyone when we give thanks though when we give thanks even in the midst of difficulty we're reminding ourselves of someone who can be trusted 100 percent of the time because he lives because he lives i can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because i know he holds the future And life is worth the living just because he lives. Can I tell you today, if God is good, if God has been good, uh, then he will be good every step that I take forward. Sometimes thankfulness comes from a perspective that we have. Really, we need to change our perspective to have thankfulness. I want to read you a letter here. I I got a kick out of this. This is a letter from a girl home to her mom. From college, She says, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped out the window of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky. A young man saw the blaze and called the fire department. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the young man, came to see me every day. I have moved in with him. He's been so nice. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he finalizes his divorce. We'll come see you when he is no longer on parole. I hope that you'll be able to see past his piercings and tattoos to his heart. I hope things are fine at home. Love, your daughter Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this with the proper perspective. She might have failed chemistry, but she passed dealing with people. Amen? We need a perspective in our life. We need to understand who God is. We need to understand who we are. We need to understand that we really don't deserve anything. Anything that's good in our life comes from above. 
How could Daniel give thanks? How could he kneel down in the middle of this time and give thanks to the Lord? He had faith in one who was in control and who was always good. And so he could give thanks. Be thankful. Be thankful. Can I encourage you today to be thankful? Be thankful this week. Be thankful this month. Be thankful this year. Just be thankful. You know, if the stars only came out once a year, we'd sit out all night and watch them. But they're always here and we hardly ever notice them. We get so used to God's blessings. We need to be thankful. Be thankful. How sad it is that we're not thankful for all that God has given. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Even in difficulty, be thankful. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this morning and I'd so appreciate you.